The following is an actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast featuring a bunch of nerds stuck in their homes across the country. Listener discretion is advised. We don't know what the hell they're going to come up with next. This is Call of the Deep. Second and third watch teams begin to get settled in and lie down for the evening. Soren, Dedek, and Corvus, you guys elected to take first watch, so you three are kind of uh, chilling by the campfire doing things. I will let you guys just take it from here, so the floor is yours, my friends. All right, buds. First order of business. Who has ingredients and who wants a snack? I mean, I've got a couple things in my mess kit here you can use. I'll yeah. take whatever I can get. I don't have much left after my, my trip across the ocean. Okay. I like where this is going, guys. Um, also, so... there is one thing I want to do. I want to take my shield and just stick it in the snow by the uh, the campfire facing uh, to the cliffside. So if somebody is flying around looking at the uh, the mountain, it won't be able to see much of the uh, the campfire. Oh, that's smart. So tell me about yourself, Soren. There's not too much to tell. I was born into a, a family that resided in the Great Tree, and it was pretty straightforward from there. I grew up studying and learning. What did you uh, What did you learn? We learned a variety of things. Um, a lot of the, the culture there deals with taking care of the tree. The tree grows a variety of different fruits and other other foods to sustain us. We learn about different cultures around the world, religions, certain key things at play in the world. That's how I knew to go here. When you said take care of the tree, in what ways are you taking care of the tree? Are you like literally pruning a ginormous tree? More or less, providing nutrients. Kind of hu- nutrients. Is it humans? Do you know what a pellet is? No. Okay. Do you as a person know how, what a pellet is? I do know what an owl pellet is, yes. Yeah, so you'll see him just cough up a pellet onto the ground and then bury it. Never do that again, please. That was revolting. <laughs> you asked. I didn't, I didn't think that was what's going to happen. Where I come from, it's normal. Where you come from, is there are more people like you, like owl people? Mostly. Okay, just to go back real quick on the whole fruit things is there any kind of fruits that maybe only grew in the great tree i can't say for certain have you ever had a milkberry i've never heard of that that's something that grows there i I have no idea if it grows elsewhere i've never heard it i'm not really from around here i'm from a jungle in a little bit farther place you'll see him kind of cock his head what's it like there it's a jungle for the most part it's a lot of rain giant insects most things probably want to eat you like everywhere else yeah but more like spooky i would say a lot more critters running around yeah and a lot 
more places to hide. Did you live in the trees or did you live on the surface? It depends what part of the jungle you come from, I would say. Different communities have different ways of living. There's different, I guess you would call them tribes in my home. I come from probably the biggest one and probably only the real one that would talk to the outside world, for lack of better words. We mostly handle uh, lots of cooking. We're, we're cooks by trade, and we're also hunters and gatherers, of course. We mostly do monster meats, a little bit more far-fetched variety, if you will. Interesting. Yeah. I'm uh, next in line for that, for my home, my tribe. But uh, the problem is, I can't really taste anything. Don't really want to get into that right now. But yeah, I can't taste anything. Can't really prove myself as a leader, especially when it comes to cooking. That's kind of my dilemma right now. But all in good fun. I get to be with a lovely crowd of you guys. And I can, any Corvus would kind of point out to all of our fellow party members in their beautiful sleeping positions, snoring, or whatever it may be. And the ghost flipping me off in the back. Do you have any interesting tidbits to share? I'm, I'm still new to meeting everyone. Like what? Is there anything I should know about them? There's Hugh. He's always moist, wet even. He's a pretty great guy. There's Tydak. He's a little funky, hard around the edges, but he's a good guy. I like him. And there's Dedek, handsome man. Dummy thick. Everyone loves the thickness. I can't help it. Speaking of, <laughs> uh, what's what's your story? Been on this world for nearly 65 years, and I don't have much of a story. Where I come from, some people would call it a jungle as well, but it's more of a forest, I would call it. We got some mountains. Nothing like what we are on now. Good heavens, no. I come from a... Uh, as odd as it sounds, a very religious and at the same time very militant community. This explains a lot. <laughs> yes, it does. Ever since I was very young, uh, my parents, they, they wanted me to be a priest or a scribe, but I always figured I could do more good with a, uh, with a sword than I could with a pen. It's very difficult to protect farmers from raiders with a pen. I've served on many campaigns, but Every time I face an enemy, I always learn something new. Perhaps when you finish your, your adventuring, you can always go back and be a scribe. I find, especially where I come from, the experiences written from capable people can provide much to the world. And that is very true. Back home on uh, Marinino, the place that I'm from, we have uh, what we call a council. It's not exactly like... What a lot of people would expect, just a bunch of old men just yelling at each other. Either way, it's still a bunch of old men yelling at each other, but half of the, the council are priests and scribes, and the others are actual, actually generals. Me, my hopes is I don't expect myself to ever become a general, but one of my dreams is to become what we call a hussar, which is kind of like a field marshal. The only difference between a hussar and a general is literally rank. One would be behind the lines in a tent planning, pointing at a map telling, go here, go there. Hazar, they'll be riding in the van. That's one thing I would 
greatly aspire to be because if there's something that I won't do, I will not send innocent souls to senseless slaughter. And you said that you enjoy studying religions, correct? Somewhat. Uh, during our travels, if it uh, if we're anywhere near Marinino, maybe we can we can visit my home and you can talk to some of the priests there, learn something of our culture. I'd love to. I'd be more than happy to show any of you my home. We better have good food there, or I'm gonna give it a bad review. Corvus <laughs> is just the he is the equivalent of Yelp. <laughs> Corvus is he's the, the Goblin Ramsey. I was literally going to say I'm the Goblin, goblin Ramsey. <laughs> I need you, all of you. I need you three to make perception checks for me, please. Oh, sweet okay. Jesus. Only because he said, please. yeah, okay. 26. Jesus Christ. My bird. I'm, I'm using my lucky koi dice. Just a 16 Let's for me. Let's go. A staggering 15. So as the three of you are having this lovely conversation, you guys, through your watch, you guys just take a look out for any potential threats. Corvus and Derek, you don't really see too much, but uh, Soren, your eyesight allows you to see deeper within the night. Still, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing out of place. You guys are really, you guys are good. As your watch comes to an end, the three of you continue to spend the rest of the time kind of conversating, getting to know each other a little bit. And before you know it, the three of you respectively go ahead and wake up Tydeck and Hugh. Uh, cold, you kind of just float on over since apparently you're not sleeping. So the three of you kind of just tag in the the second watch as you three head to your beds and cots. And you lie down to uh, for bed. As I lie down, I reach into my bag and I pull out my little stuffed animal. Oh, that's right. The snuggly beast. Yes, it's I'm so happy cool. because that is the first gift that anybody has ever given me. I'm not going to shit out of that thing. That's adorable. <laughs> he was the best. We love <laughs> You <it>. see this <laughs> giant six foot six paladin just snuggling up to this little stuffed owlbear. Whatever makes you happy in your dreams. Soren, Derek, and Corvus, y'all lay down. So now, Tydak, Hugh, and Cold, you guys have the second watch, so you may take it away. Cold, would you like to sit down instead of float for a bit? Now, Sha, that's a funny joke. Because I've tried that already. No joke, hold on. And I'm going to cast Shape Water and basically crystallize him around the vapor. So all the water vapor that's in the air is going to crystallize into ice. Basically giving you, like, Iceman form so you can sit and move for about an hour. Well, pardon the phrase, but that's kind of cool. Thank you, Sha. I, I was thinking about it on the way up, or how to give you a moment to feel more yourself, and this is the best I could come up with on short notice. I'm much glad, Sha. Yeah, now I will get to have a sit. There you go. I'll just stay a little far from the fire. I it's don't want to okay. melt quickly. I can maintain you if you need. It's a kin trip. It's just very easy. Tidex is just going to sit there in the cold or snuggle up as tight as he can. <laughs> He's like holding on to his like, coat. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, when they said I was cold-blooded, I didn't expect this much cold would affect me. Tidex, would you like your own heating system or something? Like, Do you need us to bring some coals over to help you stay warm? No, kind of reminds me back of the old days. It's fine. Just brings back memories. Roughing it? A slave. It just brings back memories. 
I am sorry if you feel the need to expound upon that. I am here to listen, but I will not press you on it. I know it is a painful memory. I'll be happy when they're dead. I'll just be happy when they're dead. I'll just be happy when they're dead. <laughs> that is definitely a mantra to have as we are here. And I hope, Cole, that we'll find a way to make permanent maybe what is happening now so you can exist in a way you're more used to, although it seems like you're getting used to your gaseous form. I don't know why it smelled so much. That wasn't me this time. You can blame the pellet that's right next to you. There's a pellet somewhere? It's literally, he's almost sitting right on it. The, the owl creature uh, decided to show how they take care of the world, Trisha. Buried a pellet. Excuse me. Okay, that's it. I'm taking a walk. I'm gonna walk there for a mirror of camp. I'm not, nope, I'm not sitting in shit. I, I'm, well, as he's doing that, I'm gonna go find where he buried the shit, and I'm gonna pick it up and put it in my herbalism kit, because there's some good stuff in there I can use. That's it's great. like fur and bones. It's not shit. Exactly. I that's even better for that. you. Cold, how did you end up like this? Like We left you very much on the boat with Endymion, and all of a sudden, we thought you were gone for good. And we come back, and you're, you're, you're a vapor? Don't know, Sha. It took me forever to just even get a grasp of what's going on. Finally figured it out when Nemo got close. It takes a lot, a lot to get to where I was. Now it's just kind of like a cool breeze. But what's the last thing you remember before you became part of the vaporous world? I was down in the hole, working on the treasure, making sure yeah. everything was right, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm floating. The god of death wasn't near you. There wasn't anything to show that you had moved into another like state or plane. Just all of a sudden, you were one with the wind. Yeah, you could say that. There was nothing there. I just down, pick up some treasure to move it off to one area. And then next thing I know, I'm floating. And what I kind of see my clothes, and that's it. What kind of treasure? I think, I don't remember. It was, it was moving some stuff around in the hold. I helped with the quartermaster. Yeah. Then the next thing I know, I'm in the air. Right. You said that before. That there, there was you were, you were in the hold with... Quartermaster. Did the quartermaster say anything to you? Do you remember a specific piece that you had grabbed right before you floated away? Did, did anything, anything to help understand where this may have come from? In all honesty, Sha, I don't remember. No, the quartermaster had stepped out to go do something, and I was picking something up. I was picking up a thing. Uh, I, I, it's very foggy, to say the least. I mean, you are always quite flighty, quite head in the clouds, and literally. It was quite sad not to have you traveling with us as we Unless went in. And no one else did either. No, apparently, except for this person you, you glommed onto, though I barely know anything about them. He's standing right there looking at us as, you know, he's not sleeping, so I don't know. If you'd like to come over, we are sitting here by ourselves. Tidek has decided to take a walk because he doesn't like being in my presence for some reason. Say that. <laughs> As you continue walking, you guys talking to me? Yes, we're talking to you. If oh, you'd like sorry. to come over, I was miles away. That's what cold was for a long time, from what I've gathered. Well, at one point, I was able to get off the ship. Don't know how. I was kind of floating. Most and then air can leave the ship. The ship is not airtight, as far as I remember. It was barely watertight, for what I remember. Well, I floated out at one point. I was floating around. Went past something that caught my eye, and 
whatever you want to call this vision. And there he was. I know that shot. I think he owes me two copper. You always were sticking bullshit, by the way. It's not bullshit. I remember you cheated me on that bet. He is a stickler for debts. He never forgets. Though he does forget how much it's for. I'm surprised you didn't say he owed you Electrum. It was definitely two copper. Two copper, yeah, no. I remember distinctly I cheated you on that bet. Yes, two copper. Two copper. Yeah, because yeah, we was always copper night. We never played anything higher. Because then the captain would always want to get her stuff in. Sha, you gotta remember, that whole thing was wrong. You cheated. And when I get back in my form, normally, two copper. Unless I forget again. Uh, until further notice, I owe you two copper. Yes. Thank you. Barring your memory loss and uh, possible amnesia. And your cloud state, also there. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. Gash's form does have its drawbacks. You found him just out there on the ocean? Is it like by himself? Or? No, we were at dock. We had come back to dock. And uh, so I, uh, I floated out onto the dock and I was kind of just there, floating about, doing something. I don't know. Again, it's foggy. And then I see him and I'm like, I know him. I'm going to follow him around. So I started following him around, Shah, and I was, that was it. I said that he started talking, and then it went all downhill from there. No, no way around it. I mean, at first he didn't even hear me. That's quite a feat. You're very loud. He is a practice. Tuning out things like that. So what, what were you doing at the time when all of a sudden he latched himself onto you? Yeah, I was there uh, just, you know, wandering the dogs after visiting uh, friends and associates there, because, you know, every port has a... Uh, Few people in it. That's a rumor I've heard, yes. The next thing I know, I hear, well, it took a day or two, I guess, but I heard this, I'll, I'll call sultry voice of a occasion thing in my head, and I just started, I got confused. I, I, do, have, I do hear voices. I do, you know. More than just him? Yeah, a few here and there. Anyone fun? It's, I don't know, it's just the perks of having a uh, patron. So it must have been confusing then to hear the sultry, spicy sounds of a Cajun accent offsetting perhaps a normal communication you would have with a more deeper connection. No, it was definitely off-putting. No way around it. No way sugarcoat that. It was very off-putting. At least he found someone there. I mean, I'm happy to get him back to his, you know, not cloud-like form because he's a decent enough dude when he wants to be. I mean, he's a little see-through at the moment, but, you know... I'm always been trying to be transparent. In your own way. We can do what we can. I hope we can make it up this next part and something can be done because otherwise it would be very strange to have an observer who records but cannot interfere. A watcher of sorts. So you mean like an ex-wife? Haven't had one. I've never had one. Would not know. I suggest as a friend, don't, don't, don't do it. I'll take that under advisement. Uh, it isn't a plan at this point to create an ex-wife, let alone a wife to begin with. Hopefully I don't have to stay like this forever, Shadow. I don't want to change my name to Watu. We'll call you Bobby Drake in the current form you're in. Yes, the Iceman. Um, I can't. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Hugh called, and actually to a certain extent, Tydak, I need you to roll me a perception, please. 25. I rolled it earlier. It was 23. 21. Sweet. Cold and Hugh, as you continue to have this conversation with Amino, you two don't notice anything out of the ordinary. Hi, Dak. 
as you're walking around the perimeter, you don't necessarily see anything out of the ordinary. Remember, you guys are camping out in this opening near a cave. So as you're kind of just walking around the perimeter, you catch the moonlight kind of shining down to give you a little bit of a huge night light. And you notice something sparkling from the entrance of the cave, kind of on the ground somewhere. I walk towards it. So as you walk towards the source of the glint, you get close enough to it. And as you reach the destination, you see that laying on the ground looks to be a small pin of some sorts. I'm assuming you're going to pick it up. Nah, he's going to leave it there. Last time I touched something I shouldn't have touched, it was bad. I'm going to try and, like, scoop it with my, ni- with my dagger. Just kinda... <laughs> you're going to scoop it up with your dagger? I'm not touching it. I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. Too bad you don't have any tongs. That is what we call progress, ladies and gentlemen. But anyways, with your dagger, as you kind of like eh, scoop it up with (laughs) with your dagger, you're able to pick it up onto the blade. And as you bring it into a closer look, Tidak, there is a bit of a feeling of dread begins to kind of formulate within your core of your being as... Tidak, there's a feeling of dread that kind of courses through your body as you kind of are just in denial. Be like, nah, it can't be. But the further that you look at this little pin on your dagger, there's no mistaking it. This little pin is as crudely made as it is. It looks to be a little bit damaged, a little bit of the metal. is kind of chipped away from it a little bit. But there's no mistaking it. This is a pin that those of you in the uh, pit would wear when you guys were presented to fight for entertainment, so to speak, of the King's Quest tournament. But more importantly, you know that each of you has a specific design pin to individualize it for all of you. And you recognize that the design belongs to a familiar Loxodon that you once knew in your past life. No. No. What? I watched him die. No. How could this be here? Do we notice him saying this over there? No, it's like a whisper. Oh. Okay. Because that's be my first thing. Uh, and plus, you're far enough away. So. so yeah, on your blade is the pin that belonged to your former mentor slash master, your good old Loxodon amigo. Who, as you whispered to yourself, it shouldn't be there because he has been dead for quite some time. Now, going off his knowledge of how much trickery the twins have been fucking with him, this is either a drop pin to mess with his head, or somehow his family was able to get a hold of him. And I think it's the former rather than the latter. I'm going to shuffle back to the three that are awake and kind of just drop the news to him. You walk over, then Hugh's been using Druidcraft to predict the weather for tomorrow, so you just see, like, an orb waiting to, like, show what the weather's gonna be, because we're just having a chat. Um, guys, I have a problem. What what, what happened? Are we under attack? Problem is, I don't know if we are or not. Oh, no. He kind of holds out his dagger. They can kind of see the pin resting on it. This, uh, this was my master's pin. He's been dead for quite some time. Master is in 
owned you in the no. gladiatorial thing, or no? This is my master, as in my mentor. Oh, your your teacher, the one that died in front of me. May I? If you want to touch it, you can. I've learned my lesson, but I watched him die years ago when I left the gladiatorial ring. Why is it on the mountain in snow? Were there any tracks or anything around it, or was it by itself? By itself, just perfectly dropped in the snow. Q's going to reach out and actually grab it to examine it. As you reach out and you kind of take the pen in your hand, it seems to be an ordinary pen. On it, you see the logo. Uh, all of you at this point, well, actually, minus Amino, because he hasn't seen it yet, but all of you at this point, on the pin in the center of it is kind of a triangular kind of base of the pin and inside of it is the circular symbol of the Rajani family crest and each of the triangles is filled in with three different colors this particular color combination is blue purple and pink on the corners with the Rajani crest being outlined in black with a golden yellow kind of background to fill in the gaps on said pin and as you take a look further at it Hugh same thing it parts of it have been chipped away some of the paint has come off of the pin but other than that there's nothing out of the ordinary I get no feeling from it nothing happens when I look at it just go ahead and make me an arcana check please that's a dirty 20 as you're examining it you feel the faintest hint of some sort of magical residue inside of this pin, though it is very faint. And in the current state of everything, you can't pinpoint exactly what this magic is. However, should you investigate it further or should you take it to someone who has the ability to draw out said magicalness inside of items you more than likely may learn exactly what that little faint magical aura inside this pin is q's gonna take the pin and throw it over the side of the mountain hey, hey, hey why'd you why'd you do that there was a magical aura on it and if it is tracking us like what's on your arm i'd rather not have them know more about us than they already know i'm sorry i just it seems wrong i didn't have it before so it's fine i guess i don't need it now we can find it again if we need to it has a magical aura but this is wrong you're right this is wrong that it is here and it is wrong that it is nearby and makes me think that someone is placing it here for us to see and taunting us i am sorry that it is bringing up things for you you don't deserve that but all here was good i believe you let us not sully their memory by having it be used against you or us. I've already made the mistake and made it worse for us as it is. No, you did not make it worse. You have given us more information than what we would have had before. You did what you thought was right. Sometimes it makes our lives harder, but that's not a problem. That's just a deeper challenge for us to understand ourselves. And I hope you can. You are a good person, Tydek, whether you feel you are or not. This is getting too stressful. I'd like to go over and look where he found the pin, see if I can use any of my survival skills or anything else to figure out if there was anything around there or whether it was like buried on purpose. Just something to get a grasp on why it was here. Okay, so as you do that, so Hugh, 
I will give you the choice. You can either do investigate or you can do survival. And based on whichever you choose, I will tell you the relative information that you can glean from it. I'll do survival. Okay. So that is a dirty 20 again. Damn. <laughs> I have a okay. good survival skill check. Well, somebody yeah. has to. <laughs> Wisdom characters. Yes, that part. <laughs> and so you, as you investigate the area, you immediately see that the area that Tidak disturbed when he picked it up with his dagger, you see a couple what look to be incision marks inside where the blade went into the ground to try to pick it up a couple of times. Uh, so that's nothing new. But as you look around, initially you don't see anything else outside of Tidak's attempt to pick it up with his dagger. Though, as you turn towards the cave a little bit, you see... Just a slight disturbance of the ground will it to be a set of very small set of footprints. Can they look what type? Actually, yeah, with the dirty 20, you're able to tell that the footprints left are kind of that of what looks to be a small boot of some sort. So you can surmise that these belong to some sort of humanoid because it's wearing shoes. But other than that, give me an investigate, please. That's uh, 17. You get close to the ground to examine the footprint. You can tell that it's a boot. But as you look closer at the imprint, though it is vague, you see an imprint of what looks to be some sort of writing on the boot, kind of like when you make an impression, like if there's words or patterns on the sole of shoes that when you step in dirt or sand or whatever, it leaves kind of like that imprint as well. It says so, Nike. <laughs> I walked into that Just one. Do it. Just, Just do it. Do it. <laughs> I walked into that one. But anyways, no, no, it walked on top of that one that made the impression. As you look at the imprint of this boot, you just see the initials LL on it with a little symbol of what looks to be a spade like you would see on a set of cards. Do I, I recognize that? At all? I don't know if I recognize that, but. Well, it depends. Have either one of you been to Waterdeep in your life at all? I may have ventured there once, but not for very long. So no, Tidak definitely has, though. Tidak and Amino, you definitely have. So Tidak, based on the symbol and the initials, you can tell that LL stands for the Lucky Lady, which is a gambling joint in the city of Waterdeep. And that spade is the symbol of the club. Someone portal here? Well, how would they have gotten up here before we had? I don't know, but that's from a gambling joint. Kind of gamblers up on a mountain placing pins from a dead fighter. Probably one having to deal with Leon and Noel, the Bajani twins. Do you believe they may have stayed, gone farther into the cave and are watching us, or they may have disappeared? I don't know, but any further than this, I think we might have to examine this in the morning when we have everyone up. We should let the next watch know. Keep an eye on the cave and don't mess up those tracks if we can help it. Can't you use your water and just like kind of like scoop it and save it? Like, make a mold of it with ice? Uh, if the ice lasts, I mean, I don't know how cold it would be tomorrow during the day, but tonight it would last for a bit. Yes. I could also try to freeze some earth around it with the ice inside of it, make it more of a, a mold, per se. Any way to preserve it, because, I mean, with the wind that's out, it's gonna 
eventually. All right, then I'm gonna I'm going to make a uh, a reverse um, embossment of it, so you can make an etching. Get out, cool. He's gonna scoop up the dirt itself that he can find around there. Put some water into it. Take a little bit of Cold's leg, rub it in there. <laughs> make a mold and hand it over to Amino. And then I take the book, etch it out the last page, and then put a. This is small footprints, like it'll fit in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And on the bottom, I write for future reference and a smiley <laughs> winky face. <laughs> I'm going to take the stuff back from him and I'm going to break it up a little bit, but it's going to still have some dirt and everything else. I'm going to reattach it to cold. So now he's got like a weird dirty leg, kind of like C-3PO's off-colored leg. Yeah, that's dirty. I wanted you to feel the earth under your feet for once. Can't feel. I don't want to talk about your emotional unava- unavailability at this point. I was just saying... If you wanted to be able to feel the sensation of Earth beneath your feet. I can't feel that sensation. Maybe you should get checked out by a shaman. We're on our way, aren't we? I didn't want to tell you this. This is an intervention about how your cloudiness has been affecting each one of us. I wrote a letter. It's here in the book. Let me read it for you. Oh, my gosh. I'm very disaffected and disattached from the real world. All just starts turning from his relatively, like, lightish blue, like, almost bluish white to kind of like a darkish gray. Seriously? Shut up. Now you're just making up colors. I don't see any of that. So he's... he's (laughs) Not for you, but it's for everyone else who's watching. He's been being a bit You may notice the the shade difference. Because it goes from like bright white to kind of a darker color. He's getting a bit stormy right now. He's literally a walking mood ring. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So if we piss him off, he storms off, right? If he, if he can, yes. He probably just flies off the handle a bit. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> I will hail on you. You will bring down hail upon us. Yeah. I might even <laughs> sleet on you. Oh don't, my God. Don't rain on our parade. Right. It's more like a death march. It's a cloud of raging flurry. If he was more of a, a, a spellcast, he'd be overcast at this point. As you guys are continuing to have this conversation, towards the tail end of giving cold shit, Tydek and Hugh, cold, you're not really going to be sleeping, so you can stay up. But you guys go ahead and wake up. The only one that really needs to be woken up at this point is Fedden. So Hugh, you go wake up Fedden, and then you and Tydek kind of lay down and go to sleep we as we get we into Fedden in about yeah, we what we found as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Keep so an eye you, on the cave. So you communicate that with Fedden. Hugh and Tydak, you lay down and you head off to Dreamland. Third and final watch, we have Cold, Amino, and Fedden. So Fedden, you were informed from Hugh and Tydak of their discovery and to kind of keep an eye out for certain things before they went to bed. But with that out of the way, uh, the floor is yours for you three. So go ahead and take it away. Fedden's going to be investigating where the pen was found. As I said earlier, I have the ability when I'm on a mountain, I can track creatures, know their exact number, sizes, and how long ago they passed through the area. So was it somebody who came by while we were resting here? Was it somebody who was coming up the mountain previously? What do I find out using Natural Explorer about this (laughs) booted small person? Upon your investigation, outside of the information that you were told already, because of your intuition and kind of just years and years of being able to track and discern information from your surroundings. You take from this boot that it belongs to a halfling 
or someone of halfling nature, very small, which explains why the boot print is so small. You're also able to defer. It seems that they were here hours ago. In fact, many hours ago before you guys even got up to this point. So you're able to discern that this pin has been here for quite some time. Even before you guys made it to this site, you also notice that from the direction of the small boot print, it seems that they came out of said cave. But looking around, the only real answer is either they went up, they went down the path, or they went inside the actual cave. And of those three choices, you're able to kind of infer that going inside the cave is probably the logical reasoning of where they may have gone. I check inside the cave. Do I see any more tracks of any sort? Now, it is nighttime, so does Fedden have... You have dark vision? Okay, that makes it easier. So as you walk into the cave, it's not really a large cave. It doesn't go super deep inside, but it is a good chunk way. You can still see the campfire and your compatriots resting. As you go into the cave, you're able to see that it kind of just leads to a kind of singular circular kind of enclave but seems to be some sort of dead end as you look around you don't necessarily see any kind of door you don't see any kind of secret passage anything like that i'm going to burn a spell slot and enhance my awareness if there are any aberrations celestials dragons, elemental, fey, fiend, or undead within six miles. I am made aware of their existence. I can't tell exactly where they are or what their number are, but if there's any of that in the area, I suddenly ping with the realization that there's something in the mountainside. (laughs) Me and Derek both light up for you. As you do this, Fetid, you kind of close your eyes and you kind of hone in and kind of just allow your other senses to heighten and just your basic instinct of your experience as a natural explorer and just all the adventures you've had in your lifetime you kind of just hone in a little bit and as your quote-unquote radar begins to go off you feel some sort of fey presence within that radius i'll return back to the fire where everybody else is sitting and well, it looked like whoever left that pen may have stayed the night here. They were here yeah. long before we were, possibly before we even all met each other. So at this point, it would be cold and Amino that you're telling this to, since they're the only two that are up with you. Yeah, they were up when the pen was found, and I'll inform the rest of them in the morning, but... So it's been here a while. Like a long time while. Months, I would say. From what, you know, the dragony person was saying, person's been dead so help. Even then, that makes it even more strange that it'd be up here where he'd be eventually, a long time away. does make me wonder if perhaps the master had more than one apprentice. If there was somebody else who would seek out answers about how someone died or something similar, a shaman would be the type of person to seek those answers from. Oh yeah, it'd be definitely top of the list, but still. There's not much more we can tell about that until everyone's ready. So... Uh, would that conversation about the treasure have been something that was relayed? Actually, that, that uh, be, probably not. That would be I wouldn't. Cult. I wouldn't have mentioned that. It would. I would have mentioned just about the pin before okay. I was asleep, so I wouldn't have <laughs> talked about. It. So a lot. Hi. 
How are your senses able to maintain themselves? Do you know? No idea, Shah. Are you able to expand from your current size or change shape at all? Now, granted, because of what Bucky, uh, when you guys met him at the fairgrounds, the little uh, Herringon artificer that kind of had you guys test the tournament platform, he embedded into Cold's gaseous state an electrical current of some sort, which in short would allow Cold to kind of expand. I guess the best way to put it is that this electrical current basically gives him the expanded forms of like what Miss Marvel can do, like expand her body parts when need be into any shape. But because he is basically he's a cloud of hot air at this point, he can expand himself where he needs to be. But damage wise and physical wise, there's not really much there. But he is able to change density and size, but it still is going to be in a gaseous form. So basically, I can be as big as I want or as small as I want. I still can't move shit around. I still can't mess with anything. I'm just there. And strong winds will blow you away. <laughs> Very. All sounds fairly reasonable. I vaguely recall a spell I heard a long time back that would allow someone to escape a trap by becoming some foggy thing. Oh, yeah, Sha, you're talking about gaseous form, if I remember right. I was going to learn that uh, next chance I got into port. I wonder if there's not some cursed version of that spell that's causing your malfunction. Possible. I don't know enough about that particular type of magic to know one way or the other if it's possible. But if it is, then perhaps all we need is a counter spell. Asha, that sounds like a good idea. So how much more do I owe you again? Two copper. Never mind. <laughs> You're hoping I'd say more, wouldn't you? No, 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 no. no. Let's just try to see if you forgot already. That's all. I need Amino, Cold, and Fedden. Go ahead and make me one final perception check, please. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Total of an 11. What yeah. did you roll? Uh, the die. Oh, Jesus. Cold? I rolled a 3, but because my modifier says plus 7. Oh, 10. Holy shit. Amino, what did you... Please tell me you got better than these two. 22. Okay. I was gonna say, I'm like, y'all are lucky... That he rolls good. As the three of you are kind of having this conversation about what you found, about potentially turning Cold into a giant gaseous monster, Cold and Fedin, the two of you don't see anything out of the ordinary. Amino, you don't see anything out of the ordinary too. At least physically, you don't see anything out of the ordinary. However, your senses begin to tingle. Now, you're carrying around a tome, you said, correct? As you're kind of sitting around with your three compatriots, physically, you don't see anything within the area that is out of the ordinary, but you get to feel uneasy and a little bit kind of just looking around to see where that uneasiness is. And as you look at your tome, you can kind of feel some sort of aura emitting from your tome and you understand that at some point you're probably going to want to read your tome in order to see exactly what it is that you need to figure out in terms of where that source of uneasiness within you is coming from without giving too much detail. I'll want for patience. He uh, grabs a tome and flips it open. We're going to do this now. Okay. <laughs> By the 
way, what does the outside of the tome look like? So give me a color description. Like, what does it look like? Color description. Okay. Um, oh, I forgot. I'm so sorry. It is gray with another shade of gray. No, it's, it looks just like, I don't know. It's like a regular book you'd find at a bookstore, just really old. And the name that used to be on it is crossed off. Okay. So you're just going to flip it open. Us, Colt, and Fedden are basically planning the different things that they can do to make cold big and small. You just flip open your book and inside of it, at first you just stare at kind of these tattered blank pages. A couple seconds pass by and as you're about to close the book, you start to see in kind of this inky black kind of writing, you begin to see words like being scribed onto the page. And as it begins to be scribed, it says the following. Watch the Simic period. Well, fuck. And then on the other page, it continues to write again. Find if he is one of them. And I'm assuming that makes complete sense to me. That's probably like, do I assume that came from my patron? Yep. So you know where the source of this is coming from and it is coming from your patron and your patron has asked you to watch you and determine if he is one of them. And you know exactly what that means, which I'll message you later what that means. Oh, gobble gobble, one of them. And as you woke up long enough to write me a note. Give yourself over to Dagon. (laughs) As he as he says that in his sleep, I love it. And as quickly as you read those words, they vanish for a brief moment. They kind of like fade up off the page before dissipating kind of like in this smoky kind of ashen gray kind of cloud before dissipating with the wind. Getting sucked into cold as he dissipates (laughs) in the wind. Well, Colt and Fedden are occupied at the moment trying to come up with a game plan of basically turning him into Miss Marvel and see what kinds of things they can like density wise he can figure out what to do i already made him an omega level mutant we don't need to go any farther than that i will not accept <laughs> anything i was gonna say it has to be missed marvel i was gonna say it has to be missed marvel this is the second half of what this episode is called missed marvel amino you close your book the three of you finish your watch as the sun begins to rise over the horizon it's quite interesting because for the three of you fed in this is something you're used to do because of your many travels It may not be the same for cold and Amino, though, as you see the sun begin to rise over the horizon line, you can start to see the light and the warmth of the sun begin to kind of cascade its golden touch across the lands in front of you as the shadow begin to dissipate and turn into their true warmth color underneath the sunlight as the sun begins to rise. And I'm assuming that you wake up the rest of your compatriots at this point. Uh, I go straight over and wake up Hugh first. So yeah, Amino, you go run over Hugh. What? 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 Are we under attack? What's happening? Wakey, wakey. (laughs) Eggs and bakey. I'll get up, take his hand, stand up, and then I'll go and help him wake everyone else. Now my hand's moist. Well, no, it's cold because up here, they can't be moist. It's freezing. Ben has taken a pot of snow, put it on the fire, it's melting, he's added trail ration to it to make a sort of morning breakfast soup. Without him seeing, I'm going to snuff the fire out. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Hugh, you're going to do sleight of hand. Uh, Fedda, you're going to give me a perception. So you got to beat a 15. 
Oh, I beat the 15. I got a 19. Okay. <laughs> yep, fire goes hey, out. I'm, like, I'm sitting there cooking, cooking, turn away, turn back, fire's gone. Toy deck. Lad, <laughs> you got a moment. Huh? Hmm? Huh? I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. Huh? What? I follow those footprints around where you found that pen last night. Hmm? I'm up. I'm up. I'm really up. <laughs> this uh, mentor you had, was there yeah, a halfling that followed around? A halfling. Uh, uh, yeah, there was... Oh, what was his name? Tidak, you do remember that your mentor, Brohep, had two apprentices. You and a small little halfling. The small little halfling, her name was Freulein. Well, she came through here about three months back, I'd guess. Dropped that pin. Seems she was staying in this very cave we're in now. Perhaps the shaman we're going to see had answers for her she needed. Why have his pin? She was an apprentice like you. Perhaps it was something she had. Was she there when he died? I don't remember. If not, she might be looking for the reason. My nights on my memory of those of that night, it's cloudy. Faded. Well, uh, that's all the information I've got for you. She was here at some point in the cave about three months ago. I can't find a seam or luckily a corpse. Wait, there's no said, signs of it going further. Wait, you said three months ago? Roughly. That's around the time his, his anniversary of his death. Well, there you go. It's a powerful thing, the anniversary of one's death. All kinds of things could be done. Speaking to him, resurrection attempts, unholy abominations. I'm starting to sound like you now, aren't I? Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? You're rubbing off on me, lad, is all. Just rubbing off on me. I try not to rub off on people a lot. It gets people very upset at me. I, I can find no other trace of her. Whatever she may have left, if she did leave anything, has been taken by the wilds of the mountains, as far as I can tell. Shaman may have more answers for us. If Wait, with the weather that we've had, at least coming up here, how did her boot print last three months? We're in a cavern, lad. You can sometimes find a spore years old in the mountain in caves and caverns. If it was about a yard further out past the entrance, you'd have never found it. That little pin of yours. Nor the boot. Just as it happens, under the overhang, and nature protected it. Open at him. Good berries for all. No no breakfast? Fire went out. Would you like assistance with that? Sooner we get to the shaman, sooner we can head back to town. That is a good point. Besides, we'll make the slop for dinner. Hooray. All right. <laughs> Yay, slop. Cold. Back in the back. I still don't feel good about that shot, but okay. Would you rather get in the pot? Might be warmer. Go ahead. Nope, I'll get in the bag. I don't feel like smelling like the water in the stew. Evaporated cold. No, there's no going to be cold evaporations here today. Thank you. I have to get you back through osmosis. Put a top over something so that when the sun dries you, you'll catch on it. We basically put him in an air fryer and just let the steam out a little bit. So you guys pack up your camp. I will say for the sake of it, the rest of your journey up the mountain goes quite swimmingly, actually. We're swimming up mountains? I can swim pretty I well. Mean, it's something you're familiar with. Exactly. Flying <laughs> is like swimming through the air. That oh, is that true. Mean I'm back seasick. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he gets air sick. He's like, uh. we, we can't put you on. If we ever find a flying boat, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> Don't tell him. That's for later. <laughs> so the rest of your journey up Mount Juniper goes without a hitch. Obviously, the higher you climb, the colder it does get. But after a few hours, 
you guys are able to make it to the summit of Mount Juniper. You find that the ground has leveled out to a flat kind of surface area to be able to walk on. So it's very neutral, very flat. And in front of all of you, you just see this ginormous. It's a little perplexing because it's hella cold at the top of this mountain. But in front of you, you see this ginormous tree with luscious green leaves and a variety of purple and pink kind of flowers blossoming all over it. But more importantly, as you look closer to the actual tree bark of the said tree, you see that it is shaped out to look like a house of some sort, a tree house, if you will, embedded within the trunk of the tree and sitting in front of said tree house. You see a female figure, a female humanoid. She is kind of a pale color in her skin, long black hair with gray and kind of a midnight black color combination in her shawl and her dress. And you see that there is a small kind of veil covering her eyes. And without even hesitation, she's kind of just digging around, gardening a little bit in front of her treehouse. And without even breaking contact with what she's doing, she just says, it appears I have some visitors. Whatever it is, you came for naught. As she kind of continues to kind of just continue to garden. Cold blood. We found your shamaness. Well, thank you, Sha. You think it's safe to get out of the bag? Should be. All right. Put me down. Undoes the strap on top of the bag, opens it up. Cold just and unceremoniously kind of fumes out of the bag. Best way I can put it. It's like dry ice in a, in a you know, basically. Dry and kind ice of just like stands up. <laughs> All right. Let's go have a conversation. Wait, why am I sounding like you, Nasha? You were in <laughs> You absorbed through osmosis part of him. Shaman lady, I was told to seek you out. I don't like to mess with the hoodoo, but someone did some voodoo. And now I need your help. Again, not really breaking any contact with her gardening tools and her garden. She kind of just says, and why would I help you? Could I assist you in your gardening of, of sorts and without saying anything she kind of just flicks her hand a little bit in front of you Hugh, you see a couple of vines begin to sprout they begin to grow thorns and at the very top of said vines you see essentially a variety of different flowers blossom but then as they begin to unfurl and bloom instead of the normal kind of flower these things start to grow teeth as well and they literally start think of like the literal interpretation of the snapdragon flower. These are like the quote unquote snapdragons. Beautiful. And also very, very, very protective. I admire that. So she stands up. Colt, you're within her vicinity, correct? Yes. So the moment she stands up, she kind of looks at you, Colt. Well, as best as she as you can make eye contact with her with the veil over her eyes. Do you see her kind of walk closer towards you? And as she takes her hand and kind of, I guess, quote unquote, tries to touch <laughs> your being before she can make 
quote unquote contact with you, there is a purple spark that comes from you called. You begin to see that as she comes closer and closer in contact with your form, this purple spark begins to spread across your form. And all of you can see this, including the shamaness. You see that there are what seems to be symbols and words in purple lettering kind of swirling around. And no matter how much the shaman tries to get closer to it, it's just these kind of barrier is pushing her hand back as the spark continues to kind of envelop around. And the moment that she retracts her hand, that spark and those letters dissipate. And as she kind of looks at your hand and she looks at you cold, she says, I knew there was something wrong when you walked up to my mountain. If you know it's good for you, you better leave. I'm not dealing with another one of Yelena's curses. Who? And without hesitation, she kind of starts walking back towards her treehouse and she says, boys, show our guests out, will you? And she kind of just... We have not come in. How can we be shown out? And as you say this, Hugh, from behind you, you just hear the sounds of heavy footsteps kind of just walk up behind you. And as you all turn around, you see two giant apes towering over you guys. But more surprisingly... You hear one of the giant apes say, no harm done, but the boss lady says it's time for you to go. And with that, that is where we're going to end the episode tonight. (laughs) Oh, I was hoping for more monkey business. Two yetis. Yeah, they're yetis. Well, yes, exactly what it is. They're talking yetis, so that's the more interesting part. But... When we come back for the next episode, I'm going to have you guys roll initiative because y'all going to fight some yetis. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Call of the Deep. When we come back with next episode, will the party be able to talk their way out of getting yeeted by the yetis or will a brawl ensue? Who knows with this cat, with this group of players. But as always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, take care of each other, love one another and let the good times roll. From all of us here at Call of the Deep, good night and see you later. This has been the Call of the Deep podcast. To support us, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your auditory escapism in podcast form. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. Even our intrepid characters are no match for the insidious algorithm especially without your ability to cast aid on our stats. The music in this episode was Prepare for War by Alexander Makarada. You can find all his music at serpentsoundstudios.com. Tune in next time for more hijinks from the darkest depths of the sea on the call of the deep.